0: Hello, this is James Grumbig on Decentralized.media here on Beyond the Bible with my co-host Tracy L. White, author of a couple of books on the Bible, which is very important, right? She is a teacher, a biblical teacher, and we have our returning guest, Charles Williams, and we're going to get into some very interesting stuff today, in particular, myth conception, not misconception, but myth, M-Y-T-H conception is the title of the show, but we're first going to start off with a very serious subject the uh the, the in the Hague, you have the first day of the genocide trial between South Africa and the Canaanites of Israel. Right. This is what this is really about. And it's very biblical. But we have Francis Boyle, the uh University of Chicago professor. He's I think be 90 years old this year. He's won a draft in 1989. The entire bioterrorism uh, agreement, which America was supposed to uphold, but obviously did not during covid. And he's got some points to say because he is really gifted and knowledgeable about international law. So we're going to play that video to start the show. Coming up right now, good old Francis Boyle.
1: I have read uh, all of the pleadings by the Republic of South Africa uh, so far. In print at the World Court uh, website. And my analysis is based on my knowledge, judgment, and experience, South Africa will win a cease and desist order against Israel for uh, genocide against the Palestinians. So this order, when it comes down, could have. Um, very significant consequences for Israel well at that point the entire world will know that israel is inflicting genocide against the palestinians and under article 1 they will have an obligation quote to prevent unquote the genocide against the palestinians uh, i believe that the uh, republic of south africa will then take the order to the Security Council for enforcement. Uh, It appears so far that the United States government would exercise a veto power to prevent the Security Council from enforcing the order, which it's supposed to do under the terms of the United Nations Charter. But at that point then, South Africa can take the order to the United Nations General Assembly for enforcement under the Uniting for Peace Resolution. And that could produce the following consequences for Israel. First, the General Assembly could suspend Israel from participation in United Nations activities, exactly like the General Assembly uh, suspended the criminal apartheid regime in South Africa at that time and the genocidal Yugoslavia from participation in the United Nations organization. Second, the General Assembly could admit Palestine as a full-fledged UN member state. Right now, Palestine is a UN observer state like Switzerland, but the votes are there for it to be admitted as a full-fledged UN member state. Historically, no UN member state has ever been destroyed. And that's exactly what the Zionists want to do to the Palestinians, destroy them. So UN membership, I think, would would protect them. Third, the General Assembly could set up an international criminal tribunal for Israel as a subsidiary organ under uh, uh UN Charter Article 22. Uh The International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia was set up by the Security Council, but the, the General Assembly can do the same. And they could uh, start to prosecute high-level Israeli officials for genocide, war crimes, crimes against humanity against the uh, Palestinians. And then finally, the General Assembly can recommend comprehensive economic sanctions uh, against Israel. Right now, as you know, North Korea uh, suffers from near genocidal economic sanctions uh, against it that were imposed by the General Assembly under the Uniting for Peace resolution. Uh, uh, Donahue is a career long uh, State Department operatic and legal hatchet person. I am certain that she is right now telling the United States government about all the behind the scenes maneuvers there going on at The Hague and will keep them informed. Second, unfortunately, the president of the court has a lot of power to shape the legal proceedings and I'm sure she will shape the legal proceedings in favor of Israel and the United States and against the Republic of South Africa. If you read Article 3 of the Genocide Convention, paragraph 3e criminalizes complicity in genocide. And certainly the Biden administration has been aiding and abetting and complicit in uh, the Zionist genocide against the Palestinians. This also violates the U.S. government's own genocide convention
0: uh, implementation wow uh very impressed at his young age where he can actually you know basically summarize with all that detail in five minutes charles williams welcome to the show what is your reaction to francis
2: boyle Thank you for having me as always, James. Um, wow. Like you said, that young man was uh, definitely detailed in his study of uh, the laws and the different acts that can be enacted against Israel for uh, what's going on over there. Um, as we talked earlier before the show, I thought it was interesting how they made the inhabitants flee to the south to avoid conflict in the same ones they told to you know exit this area where there's going to be war they still found themselves, even in refugee camps, still in a place of war. So uh, I I definitely think that there should be some type of interference. I don't know what that's going to entail, because I know we do have deep, soul, religious, uh, you know, Judeo-Christian ties with Israel. But, you know, when it comes to the UN, I want to say what's right is right, but that's kind of, up in the water at this point, I'm not sure what's gonna happen, but uh I'm definitely gonna tune in to see how it all plays out. go ahead,
0: Tracy, jump in, please yeah,
3: yeah, I was gonna say the same thing because um where we hold Israel as Christian believers um it kind of it, it's kind of murky water, but like Charles was saying, right is right and wrong is wrong to me it doesn't matter who the person is, what culture they are right and right is right and what's wrong is wrong and that's the way i look at it and like we've already always said from the beginning there are some jews over there who are not jews there are believers who say they are believers and are not and so we always got to look at that as well
0: i i agree with both of you uh very interesting how the united states is going to be dragged into this but uh, clearly they will france well um you know Made that simple argument very crystal clear. So we will stay on top of the story this week and next and see how it goes. Let's uh, begin with our PowerPoint. All righty. All righty. And welcome, Charles Williams, back. And this is Beyond the Bible with uh, yours truly, James Grumick, and my co-host, Tracy L. White. This episode 14 is Myth Conception, and what am I showing here? I'm showing Plato's cave. And what's interesting is if you look to the bottom left, you see some shadows on the cave wall, and you see some people against a dividing wall that, that's basically uh, hypnotized by the matrix, the news matrix, right? The media matrix, right? This this fake uh, world we live in. It's not not the world of God. It's the world of, of lies uh, and deception and concealment. That is all Satanism luciferianism on the other side of the dividing wall we have what looks like three or four druids warlocks sorcerers, or you could just think of them as pharmakia because pharmakia in the revelation is sorcery that is what it is and if people are stuck in the cave of the matrix is because they can't get by the the fire which is the media they can't get out of it but if you're able to climb out of the cave like like the individual going up up the rabbit hole, and then the, the person standing on the ground. That is where truth, that is where light, that is where God is, and that's where we all have to take our brothers and sisters. Tracy, go ahead, and what is your view on this?
3: That is a pretty profound, intricate picture. I don't know where you found this, but the way you laced it together and told the story about it, it is exactly what's going on today. The people over here on this side sitting down looking at those shadows. I, I, first, I thought there was hieroglyphics, too. I saw the other side where the people was holding them up for them to see that. Yeah. Yep. They have no idea what's going on on the other side of the wall. Okay? So, yeah, that's th- this is pretty profound. Yeah. So,
0: I'm going to give credit to Anders Brunstad, who was a guest on my show, Unrestricted Warfare, yesterday out of Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he did a long presentation on... Showing five G is really the the virus and and not some invisible virus like COVID that doesn't exist. So he he basically proved it. Been pretty interesting to say the least. But so he this is Plato's cave. I was able to find it online and able to mark it up myself. Uh, Charles, you got any uh, opinions on the world we've been born and raised into?
2: Yes, uh, one thing that uh, is standing out to me the most is the fire from the media. And how if there wasn't no light coming from the media, then the pharma and the matrix wouldn't have a platform. So the media definitely is the thing that is fueling all of it because it's the thing that's shining light on both. You know, the pharma wouldn't have a place to operate if the media wasn't providing them with the light. But it's interesting when you do turn around and you try to look back at the media. It's so it's so much light and it's so blinding. If you've been in the cave so long, you know, you could still be in a state of confusion. Or well, there could still be a veil because the media not only is providing a life of big pharma and providing a, a a playground for the matrix, but it's also at the very front of the entranceway down into mm-hmm. Plato's cavern. So or Plato's yeah. cave. So it's it's interesting where the media is positioned. I think, like Tracy said, that's a a really accurate depiction when you take it down and you see the guys with the hoods down with what they're holding up for the guys sitting down to look at. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, that that's my take on it. Yeah. All right,
0: so I'm going to read this uh, picture of Jesus Christ, the halo, right? Revolt against the modern world, not because it's modern, but because it is evil. Tracy?
3: <laughs> well, there, there, there's a little bit of truth to that. You know, God told us that um, he created the wicked for the day of evil. A evil day in the Bible is a real thing, and day means time, era. It's not talking about one particular day. And so, yeah, you would want to revolt against it because it's evil, not because it's modern, because all technology and all that stuff, it was originally and initially supposed to be coming from us, the children of God. We are the innovators of all of that. It was supposed to come from us. So, yeah, you should never revolt against modern or technology or anything like that. Evil only.
2: Charles, sure. well, I like the word revolt. You know, it. it to me, it's like, hey, stand up. You know, because we have a lot of people, they'll definitely complain about what's going on in the modern world, but there's no agents of change. I'm not really fond of Gandhi, but he did say something that I do often think about. He said, you have to be the change you want to see in the world. So when I look at this revolt against the modern world, not because it's modern, but because it's evil. So our war is against evil. And so, in order to be against evil, you have to be good. But against means that you have to stand and be at the forefront of it, not behind the scenes. I so. love the
0: agent of change. I think that's a it's a great analogy, and it goes good with Plato's cave, by the way. People, absolutely, Stop being the matrix, come on out of the cave. Yes. Let me let me read this. I don't know exactly what book it is, but it's uh, chapter three: the dangers of the last days. You should know this, Timothy and love pleasure rather than God they will they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly trace mm-hmm. I love this 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 uh
3: yeah yep that that is in time depiction of the way that not the world. The church is going to be like this. This is depicting the church in the last days. This was Paul telling Timothy, this is what you're going to be coming up against. So, yeah, we're already there. The church is definitely already showing all this.
2: Charles. Well, I don't I don't know how much time you have, but, you know, if I (laughs) elaborate, you know, every single one of every word of God, the Bible says is profitable. Or doctrines. Yes. So yes. everything, you is a, that's a whole 30 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an accurate depiction of what's going on now, you know, and a uh, couple that with what we were talking about earlier with uh, Israel, you know, but the Bible also talks about what's going on out there as well. Mm-hmm. So looking mm-hmm. at the dangers of the last days from the book of Timothy, and seeing how accurate of a depiction it is is yes. letting us know how much closer we are to getting to that time where you know the the beast system is going to be revealed and everybody's going to get to see who the harlot is.
3: Yes.
0: Right. And 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 the and the beast system is talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament through many books, correct Tracy?
3: Yes, correct. Yeah.
0: So we've been and warned people not to once and we're we're like, all of those and we're in the days of Noah again, for some reason.
3: <laughs> yep.
0: All right, Tracy, remind your audience, three bullet yes. points. Charles Williams, please.
3: Yes, Charles Williams. First bullet point is he's a good friend of mine, fellow Tosin. Yep. So Charles is a father. He is also a husband. He is a health coach. He is um, learning about naturopathic medicine. He's already a urologist certified in that nutritionist. And he does a lot of teaching in the churches to um, educate them. And he does re-educate on ancient mythologies, ancient medicines that a lot of church people think is taboo. So we do have to be re-educated on these things, which is the topic today, myth conception. Yes.
0: All right, this is your book. Tracy, go ahead.
3: Indeed. Yes, this is uh, very prominent for today. I'll be having it out soon, hopefully towards the end of February, because we need to know the Bible says, know those who labor amongst you, but it already tells us who is amongst us, these false prophets and teachers. So this book is going to be very, very profitable for us to learn.
0: And Charles, this is uh, you. It's uh, health 4 com. You can find them on YouTube for Health Formation forward slash featured. Charles, anything to add?
2: I just want to say that, uh, you know, I'm a servant of the Most High, and that's what I'm here to do. You know, anybody who I do come in contact with, I'll say it up front, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to serve God and his people and his purposes, and that's for everybody in and outside of what we would call the church. So I'm your brother, I'm your servant, you know, hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah is right. Yes. Um, I've shared the screen. If you want to start off with something or begin your discussion on myth conception in Egypt, please do.
2: All righty. So what we're going to do is we are going to go here. To. We're on health formation.com and this is the tool section. And this is where I usually put all of the PDFs or any. Uh, Zooms or things like that that we go over. So then that way anyone could come here and they could view uh, what we have been going over. So I'm going to start from here, and what I want to do is, so this is the title: "It's Cultural Myth." We're not seeing are not seeing it
3: yet. We're not. Oh, it you're not seeing it yet.
0: Okay. And we haven't right. popped up yet. All right. Zoom is sometimes like this. I had the other same issue with the researcher Norway yesterday. So be mm, patient.
4: Okay.
0: So I shared the screen. You should be able to start it. Yep.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, there we go. So the title of tonight's uh presentation is gonna be Myth Conceptions in Church Settings. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is there's a brief clip I would like to play. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna go over these pictures over here to the right because each one of them tell a thousand words that we've been taught before. So what is a myth conception? It's a belief, an idea that is delivered by word of mouth. Widely held by many people, true is used as an attempt to explain something unknown, even though. so. That is a myth conception. So, listen to this in a little context. Uh, this gentleman who I had a conversation with, uh, he's a, a grandson of a Confederate soldier, mm. and you know, we were talking about you know, slavery, about the Confederate flag. And he had a lot to say about it. And I had asked him a couple of questions. And so I wanted y'all to listen to some of the things that he had to say because we were taught certain things about Confederates that was not true.
3: Wow. So I want you to
2: listen and hear what he had to say. Excellent.
4: Just like what's happening now, you know, government tell you, can't do this, can't do that. The South was like, that's not what we believe in. So we're going to break the West, they broke away. And the North still had slaves during the war. Uh, I think Grant, he was a slave owner, still had slaves. Lee never owned a uh, But it was never about you know slavery. Everybody preaches on that. It was about disagreement of government because these three, were going to break off. We're not going to be here. Uh, tyrant. You know, that's what everyone has been a tyrant, you know, taxing the heck out of sound. just like we did from England. Right. That was the same thing. It broke away. We did our thing. It was all raw material. The door had. So, and they still did have most of the factories up there. And what has the South has all the oil and, and the whole oil. You know, the whole oil. Agriculture, agricultural, the North don't have that. So that's what I was, you know, I try to treat that people too. And they're like, oh, maybe it's best
2: flavor. It's not best flavor. You know, Lee? So there, and you know, in that short clip, and it's six minutes long, but I just wanted you to hear how this gentleman, you know, uh, he comes from a family of Confederate soldiers. And uh, they have a website, it's the uh, Sons of Confederate Veterans. And there they go into detail about, you know, uh, what happened during that time from a Confederate's perspective. And, you know, and they showed, and I was shocked, they even had uh, soldiers who were in the Confederate Army that were of African descent. Wow. And so this flag down here at the bottom, that was the first original Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. know that. Yep. So the reason why it changed was, you know, because they didn't want their guys to get mixed up with the union guys because nobody knew who was who. So then they created it with the cross, but they didn't want it to represent or they didn't want to misrepresent any religion. So they turned it sideways and they turned into an X, but it was never a symbol of racism or people wanting to stay, sorry about that, or people, you know, wanting to uh, have, African-Americans as slaves, per se. Like he was saying, from their perspective, it was more so about forcing the South to pay taxes. So what Lincoln did was he promised uh, certain slaves freedom if they would come and fight in the Union Army because their numbers were low. You know, there were over 100 and about 100,000 documented Black Confederate soldiers, to my surprise, according to their literature. So, you know, that's one of those things, another myth conception. Yes, indeed.
0: That is a surprise for me as
2: well. See, yeah. So now we have uh, this this young man over here in the corner. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's Hippocrates, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, from me from what you know about Hippocrates, what is he known as being the father that's of what? Hippocratic oath. Hippocratic oath. So he's he's taught to be the father of medicine, mm-hmm. and. You know, so that's another myth conception. There was a gentleman, he was about 33. His name was Imhotep, and he was in Egypt in the upper Nile. And so he was the first world's multi-genius. And he was a physician who wrote about 20 or 55 volumes of books. Uh, One of the renowned texts that he had was the Ebers Papyrus, where he documented medical surgeries. He talked about the technologies that they had, and we're going to talk about some of those. But he was the first father of medicine. So they have an oath that they take the Hippocratic oath, but they swear to the god uh, um, Akalaptheus, and that's the Greeks' name for Imhotep. So that oath that they make, it's to Imhotep. They promise to adhere to what they called Maat and to keep those same principles that when the Greeks did come to Africa and learn, that they wanted to keep those same precepts that they were taught, mm-hmm. you know. So that's that's another one of those myth conceptions. So let's go on. So we have three things down here at the bottom, yep. and I have two things I would like to offer: red pill or blue pill. So red pill or blue pill, and then pick one of those. Pick the pyramid, the swing, or makeup. Well, uh, swing, swing, the
3: swing, swing. So do you want the red pill or do you want the blue pill? I want the red pill on the swing. (laughs) Red pill on the swing. Okay,
2: so, uh, and it was interesting when I learned about this. So the swing wasn't a playground thing. It wasn't just something that, you know, children would come and play on. It was actually medical equipment. So Mm -hmm. the way that they made it, and the reason why you can notice it has the triangular shape here, the same Mm -hmm. kind of shape pyramid had the reason mm-hmm. why it was like that was because they made it with a certain metal usually it was copper and iron and so whenever a person who was sick whose energy was low when they would get on the swing what it would do is it would recharge their cells because mm. like your cells, yeah. you said interesting yes sir yeah. so like your cells, they have a certain uh electrical output So does the food you eat. We measure it in angstroms of energy. So we know that fruit has the highest amount of angstroms of energy on the planet. And Mm -hmm. so does your brain within your body. So what they would do is they would get on this swing and they wouldn't do backflips or they wouldn't jump in a sandpit. They would get on a swing and it would generate electromagnetic energy that would supercharge the cells and bring somebody out of sickness. Wow.
0: That is fascinating. Now... To back this up, there have been a lot of bells. I'm talking about, you know, the church bells that were destroyed after World War II and particularly after World War II, uh, World War I and then World War II. Why do they destroy the bells? Because the bells give off a certain frequency, and that would make the town well when people got sick at certain times of the year.
2: Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that shows you the power of expectation. You know, people, church wasn't like the way it is now. We're more... I don't want to say religious because the book of James, James, your book, talks about religion (laughs) and pure and undefiled religion. And there's nothing wrong with being religious, Mm -hmm. but whenever you take your cultural perspective and you bring it into a church setting, that's where we have a lot of the issues. And we're going to go over that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next thing I wanted to say was uh, for you, James, I would like for you to pick one as well. Uh, Pyramid or makeup? Let's go to makeup. Makeup. Okay. Red pill or blue pill?
0: Well, let's go to red pill because blue pill is, it's just supposed to beautify people is, is what I think of blue pill. <laughs> but maybe And that's I'm exactly wrong.
2: what it is. That's exactly what it is. And you're absolutely right. So
0: let's, so, learn, let's learn what's the other side of the, uh, the, let's see the red pill on makeup.
2: Yes. Come to the dark side. No, I'm just kidding. Come to the light. Come out of the cave. So when you look at makeup, they didn't do it for cosmetic purposes. You got to remember they were in the sun a lot. So one of the reasons why they use makeup, it, it did show your status and a different class you were in, but more so it would help to protect their eyes from the sun. Since they were out in the sun a lot, when you put black under your eyes, it yep. absorbs light. Yep. And so they do that. And so what it also did was protect their skin. So while they were out there building, you know, of course they had a different diet, but while they were out there building and working and, you know, just doing what they would normally do. As an Egyptian, I don't know what that would be, but they they use those colors not as a a, a cosmetic or a cultural statement. They use it as a form of protection and to maintain the beauty of their skin, because it would be absorb it would absorb the the UVA and B lights that come from the sun.
0: That's fascinating. Well,
2: okay, so let's go on to the next one. Ah. Uh, I love these two. These are interesting. So of course they look the same when you look at the medical symbol and you look at the Egyptian cross. Now, if you notice over here to my left or to your right, you see this snake here? Yeah, the cobra. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. the cobra. And then you see the this is a falcon here.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, of course, I know you're going to say red pill because I would say red pill too. Yes. Uh, yes. When you look at the Egyptian cross. It wasn't uh, a symbol for religion. This was called a medical ankh. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we're back to the body. The reason why they would depict the ankh and it represented life was because they could use it in order to um, uh, create energy. Because it was all about maintaining the energy levels in the body to the Egyptians. That's what the pyramid created for you notice when you turn the unk upside down, it has that pivot point or the the top of the triangle. And the reason why it was like that was because it made a really good, uh, uh, it was it was used as a method of conductivity for electrical output that would come from the earth. Mm-hmm. So you would have, you would see those guys, they would have a diviner's rod is what they called it, or it looked mm-hmm. like a shepherd, a shepherd's staff, and then they would have the unk. And so one would serve to ground them, and that's what the staff was for. But Mm. the Yank was used in order to distribute the electromagnetic energy that was being put out. And so again, it was electromagnetic. It wasn't electricity. So most of the power that the Egyptians used was electromagnetic, which when you look in holistic health, electromagnetic energy is a feminine principle. Electricity is a masculine principle. So we find in America, primarily, our source of electricity is electrical. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, I'm in a, I'm not an electrician by trade, but I do deal with a lot of electricity. And a lot of people die from electricity, especially in America, whenever it's mishandled. You mm-hmm. know, but there wasn't a lot of purported deaths in Egyptian times from the more feminine, more safer form of electromagnetic energy. Wow. Yeah, so I'm- that's the red on the Egyptian cross.
0: Now, that's very interesting. Now, on the, on the medical side, in the last four years, people are waking up to the serpents and the World Health Organization, the serpents and the CDC, the serpents, and and all this medical symbolism around the serpent from the Garden of Eden. So the, they're no longer looking at pharma as a savior, but looking at pharmakia as sorcery Forcery. and looking at, at their medicine as basically witchcraft or even uh, s- serpent venom. At the end of the day,
2: and and yeah. I would say I would agree. You know, and that is definitely. A, I really like the uh, depiction that you gave there. Seeing the serpents, you know, and then you would see the staff that I was telling you about in the middle, and you would see the wings. Yes. So what happened was it was hijacked.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, this was another symbol that was hijacked from. Uh, Egypt, but you got to remember, the, and the reason why I'm bringing it up was because it was the super center whenever whenever they were um, in rulership of the world, which was over a 5,000 year period of time.
1: Mm. And it was
2: during that time where they didn't conquer, but what they did was they went out and they taught a lot of people. So they would share all of the knowledge that they had. And so a lot of the symbols that we see now, these are very old symbols. And that's why they resonate with us. Even though we may not know you know, when it comes to DNA, everything since the time of Adam is encoded in our bodies. That's and so right. they only can sell to you and market to you if it's familiar to you. And so mm-hmm. the familiar aspect of it is the two serpents. And that's why I brought up the cobra being to my left or your right of that st- of that uh, ankh. Because that's yeah. what it was. It was an ankh with two serpents wrapped around. Because in their day and time, the serpent represented wisdom. It, mm-hmm. it didn't have a negative connotation to it. And so were the wings. And so you would need the wisdom in order to ascend your animalistic self. And that's what it's depicting there. But now, like you said, we're seeing it. And because of the people who took possession of it and they were misusing it, now we see like we do the Confederate flag. It has a negative connotation to it, but it didn't originally start off like that.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is the cross itself. It was always, it was like uh, comparable to the gallows. Before Jesus Christ was uh, crucified, right? People looked at it as a very negative connotation. But when Jesus went there and was crucified, it really became the the tree of life in a way, symbolically. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 yeah. it's it's fascinating how that turned around from 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 a negative to a positive. That, that you know, Jesus overcame Satan and death and all of that. Trace, you want to weigh in?
3: Well. When I look at this, the medical side, when I look at this cross, well, it's not a cross, but so it always takes me back to where where it actually happened in the Bible, where the Israelites were being, you know, disobedient and God sent serpents among them. This is where it came from. God sent serpents among them and they start biting and killing a lot of them. And he sent Moses, Moses sent Aaron into the midst of the people with his staff. And he prayed and interceded for the people. So God, God instructed Moses to put, to create a a serpent, put it on the staff. When the people turn and look at it, then they'll be saved from the bites. They wouldn't die. It would become medicine for them when they look up on the serpent on the staff. And that is the reason why, you know, that was put into the Ark of the Covenant as well. But that's where in today's time, it translated to, you know, when you go to the drugstore, you have the serpent symbol, the serpent symbol around that. But that's originally one of the places where that came from far as Christianity. So, yeah. Very
2: good. And that was really good. Yeah. Bringing that up, you know, and, and making sure that, you know, we know that uh, the enemy or the devil, the beast doesn't create anything. It's always, I'm going to take what's already made because God made us creators. We're the little creators. And so mm-hmm. since he can't create anything, he has to take what you give or what you make. And so I want to read this real quick. So first you have your culture and from your cultural ceremonies and rituals, you get emotions. Your reactions to emotions are called feelings. hmm Feeling that lasts a long time is called a mood. That's right. So to understand this, you have to have emotional vocabulary, which starts before you are born. And I'm bringing this up now. We're talking about the cultural aspect of misconceptions. You cry before you're born. You laugh before you're born. You play before you're born. You talk. Before you're, born. You talk before you're born angry. Born so I want to know what you what are what you what
3: you were breaking up a little bit ask your question again yeah let,
0: let me let yeah uh you are breaking up a little bit uh Charles let me read and if he has to log out log back and he can do so but let me read this for the audience here cultural myth conception First, you have your culture. From your cultures, ceremonies, and rituals, you get emotions. Your reaction to emotions is called a feeling. A feeling that lasts a long time is called a mood. To understand Mm -hmm. this, you have to have emotional vocabulary. Emotional vocabulary starts before you are born. Interesting. You Mm -hmm. cry before you are born. You laugh before you are born. You play before you are born. You talk before you're born. You think before you're born. You get angry before you're born. You develop all of this before you're born. The first trimester. Interesting. You develop bonding and attachment and reattachment to your mother. You're building an emotional vocabulary so you can have the emotional expense account. I love this. Charles, are you there?
2: I am here. All right. Yeah. Keep going. Okay, so the reason why this is important is because we're taught that these things occur after you're born. And so I wanted to make it a point to show that they occur before you're born. And I have proof. Now, this is what I'm positing: Science is a cultural language based on cultural misconceptions, beliefs. We have no facts in certain sciences or disciplines. It's all we have is theories, theories of evolution, the speed of light theory, the theory of gravity, the free radical theory, and the ozone theory. And I'm not saying I'm going to jump off the building to prove that the theory of gravity is incorrect. We're not doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, all of these theories, they are beliefs. And the yeah. thing about medical science in particular, because that's where, you know, that's what we're talking about here. If it's a belief, you don't need facts to support your belief. You don't need facts at all. But what we got to understand, and this is very important, these beliefs, they come from culture. And they're applied to a broad spectrum. So when you look in the medical community, and we talked about parasites, then I would tell you parasites are bad. Well, I would tell you, you know, during the wintertime, you get the flu. But if and that's from my cultural perspective, because I've been taught the germ theory. However, what if I told you that when it's colder because your blood slows down, your body uses your respiratory system in order to get rid of waste? That's a different conversation because the perspective is more in line with the way in which you're created. Let's say you were created by an intelligent designer. Let's say that were true. It will make sense that when the seasons change, that your body wouldn't recognize that first and then second, do something about that. And what would it do? It would use a different mechanism to get rid of the same amount of waste so that you don't get boggled down. And that's what happens in the wintertime. But they know that. And what they'll tell you is it's time to get your flu shot. Trust the science. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think about that?
0: uh sounds like fauci trust the science
1: <laughs> or, or,
0: or even al gore trust trust the climate hoax
2: yes what do you think tracy
3: well i think it makes sense that our body is intelligent enough to know when the seasons change and then be on a different system versus the system that it was on before even dogs they they automatically shed their huge thick coats from winter into summer. It's a system. It automatically knows to do it. You see what I'm saying? So if animals know to do that type of stuff, then our system would know to do it as well. But of course, the medicine that we get bogs it all down and it confuses it.
0: Yeah, and in, in fact, to your point, Tracy, the, the four seasons, the real calendar is 13 months of 28 days with the last day or probably the first day being uh, Jesus' resurrection, right? So the 365th day. So 28 times 13 is 364 plus a, a day of rest or day of renewal for for springtime. That is the re- real count. How do we know this? You you go you go to a tortoise shell. It has in you have the rim has 28 different segments. Inside you have the bigger segments of the turtle tortoise shell, and it's 13 it is absolutely connected to the, the calendar, the solar calendar, lunar calendar, all of it. And like you said, the, the seasons. So all of it is like God has created not only the earth and everything in it, he's created a timepiece through the four seasons. I find this remarkable.
2: That is very remarkable. And I, that I did not know. And it's interesting because I do use the tortoise in a lot of examples as it pertains to why breath is so important. It's not just important because it's something that God breathed into you, but they live at least 120 years, but they take a breath every two minutes. So yeah. they're very oxygenated and they're deep breathers and they live a long time, even though they have a lot of predators with them. You find how important breath is. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. You talked about the shell. I did not know that. That That's incredible.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's amazing. So God has encoded math. And the world we live in throughout, everybody. And like you said, the seasons and, and everything's amazing.
2: That is amazing. Okay, so let's look at, we'll do pregnancy.
3: Sure. Go ahead, Tracy. Red pill. Go ahead.
2: Well, I want you to tell me what you, what what is it that you tell me two things that you know about pregnancy. That'd be awesome.
3: You know what, when we, when when we're born after a year, they say we're one years old, but you have already been in existence in the womb before you even come out. So I never liked that. That's the way they count because you wouldn't actually be one because you spent nine months in the womb already. So for one thing about pregnancy, I think that's off, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about pregnancy, except I'm mom and that I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that also I learned that um, that one of the words for womb is the word matrix. And when I was studying that matrix is the actual atmosphere that produces something. So your whatever is in your matrix, whatever is in the womb, that's what's going to develop the baby. And whatever in that matrix is going to be in that baby. And so keeping your matrix clean, the womb clean is very important because that's how you're going to develop your child. So yeah, a womb is a matrix.
2: So when you look at pregnancy, and this is the red pill. So when you look at pregnancy, and this is why women are so important. And the reason why, you know, God made the man with the shoulders to bear most of the weight and the woman with the hips to bear the child. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why uh, pregnancy is so important and, and the reason. In our society is because what you can do is you can create generational issues based on um, create generational issues based on um, how the child is born and what the child experiences during the mother's pregnancy. Yes. So an example earlier, we said that children, they can get angry in a womb. Well, holistically, a child will experience anger different than you. So, if you have a child in your womb, if you got mad as a, a pregnant woman, Tracy, what occurred was it was anytime you experience an emotion, it turns into a liquid. And so, what oh, happens wow. is if you got angry, the liquid would have a certain taste. It would be bitter. That's why we uh-huh. say bitter people are angry. And what would happen yeah. is those chemicals would then send certain electrolytes throughout your body. And they would turn red and flashes of yellow and flashes of orange. So the child would see these colors. And then Mm. also from that electricity, you would hear a certain kind of crackling. And what would would happen is the child would be hearing anger. So not only in the amniotic fluid is the child tasting the anger, the child is hearing the anger, the child is seeing the anger, the child is enveloped in the anger. So the child is experiencing the anger On every single sense. Wow. So one of the medical uh, myth misconceptions about pregnancy is the lack of importance or a woman being able to work during pregnancy or the amount of stress that is allowed to incur on her during the time that she's pregnant or even what she eats Mm -hmm. because all of it affects the child.
3: Yes.
0: Yes, that I agree with.
2: So we'll go for it. Wow. Let's talk about birth. Uh James, if you don't mind weighing in, tell me what you think about uh these two here. When I when I make mention of birth, what I'm what I'm uh talking about is uh parenting. Uh, so what's taking place at birth? Go ahead.
0: Uh well I have one son, so I went through through that and it was uh, it was a great moment. Uh, not necessarily for the mother who goes through a, a bunch of pain through the birth canal, but, <laughs> but you know, that's what the epidural is for in the modern world. Uh, so what's, what's interesting is the, the baby coming out and it, it's really a, a shock for the baby. And why is it a shock? Cause you're leaving a warm wound and you, you're being birthed through a birth canal and you're coming out into a, usually, especially in, in a modern hospital, a very climate control, cool room. So the, yeah. the, so the temperature is right away shocked. The baby can't see, from what I understand, for the first two weeks because you've been inside the cave or the womb for nine months, right? Growing, and your eyes would be in a complete state of shock had God, God not allowed, right, the natural process for a human baby to be birthed and then protect its eyes and sight for a couple of weeks. So that makes sense completely. A lot of babies do cry in the beginning, but my son was a little stubborn. Maybe because he's half Norwegian, half Filipino. I can't say, but <laughs> he didn't make a sound until they took two tubes to clear out his nasal passages. And then he he spasmed and cried for a moment, and then uh, they wiped him off, and it came right off the skin. It was like it was like a brand new pearl or something coming out of a, out of a giant clam, and it, the skin was completely clean. It was like the most amazing sh- like bath or shower I've ever seen. It's just one wipe and. All the placenta stuff was off him, and then they put him in an incubator, and he was the calmest thing I've ever seen. Hmm. So, so he made the tr- he made the transition well. Tracy, I don't remember uh, your your child being born. Did, something
3: similar. Well, mine. All three of my sons were C sections, so I've never ever experienced birth. I've never experienced water breaking. I've never experienced contractions. I've never experienced pushing out. Um, not to say that I wanted to experience that pain, but it is kind of weird that I'm a mother of three sons and I have no idea what birthing a child feels like, unless there's some type of red pill here that you about to flip it up on us, Charles, what do you got to say about this birthing?
2: Well, uh, it's just a different perspective, you know? Okay. So when it comes to the, the red pill of birth, it's not what the parents are bringing forth. It's not what's going on. Okay. It's about what the baby is bringing forth. We talked about earlier about times and seasons. So yeah. the time you and your spouse or your love get pregnant, you two are pregnant. However, the baby's pregnant with two people. And so once the baby does come into the picture, the baby gives birth to parents. So the selfishness goes out the window. Mm-hmm. The selfishness goes out the window. Now there's somebody who's going to demand from you every single waking moment of your life as you teach them how to communicate with you. Cause remember they experience and they know these things holistically, mm-hmm. but what occurs is your mind has to change. And one of the myth conceptions is, is that, you know, children are being birthed, but we don't talk about the parents that's being birthed. And so since we don't, we don't teach young adults or adults, how to become parents, and that's what the child specializes in, whether you're ready or not. Go ahead, James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely
0: right. We, we, we create them through, you know, naturally, right? We eventually, you know, the teenagers, young adults, we, we know you learn that process, you reproduce, you have a baby, but not, but right, where, where is the teaching? I guess in the old days, it must have been from, from grandparents to parents, and so on and so forth, right? It's, it's sort of like that chain through history, right? The generational change. We always had someone above teaching the younger ones, but I don't. We're in a very dis- disruptive world right now, where that change is very, very. It's the the teaching part of it is very broken up in the last four years in particular.
2: Yeah, I agree, and it's done on purpose. Yeah. And that it goes back to the media, the picture you showed at the beginning. That's why I was like, that was perfect <laughs> for this segment yeah. because yeah. what it's showing is that person sitting down is the child now. And the parents are completely absent. And what's going on is the media's programming. It's called TV programming. Yeah. So now, now, not only your spouse, but your child being the things are never taught to you and what they're doing is disassociating themselves from you so now you have a stranger in your house your wife and another stranger your child
0: terrible terrible twos oh yeah that's everybody <laughs> baby babies look at the the parents in the at least from their point of view in the first year or two as one system and eventually at two they go, let's, let's let's okay now I recognize my parents, now I let me go find out what my limits of uh, misbehavior is or whatever.
3: Yeah, testing the boundaries. And, right? let, let's, let's
0: see if I can get yeah, dad things. and like feed me, feed me, feed me, let me play, play, right? You, and he always goes to one parent to the next parent. I did that, come on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we are. But what we're doing is you have to teach us because we don't know how children communicate. And so what children have to do is they use the communication you teach them and then they give it back to you. And we we see it as being manipulative, but what they're doing is they're modeling your behavior, correct. And so if you exemplify that, that's all they know to do. I mean, they're little sponges because they have to learn English, they have to learn your mannerism, so they specialize in you.
0: I, I got a question for you, Charles. The uh, PowerPoint yes, presentation—Are you halfway through it? Almost through it? What, what? What? Yeah, we've got about two minutes left in the show. So if you're only halfway through it, I'd love to bring you back and continue this myth conception part two, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, we're about halfway through. Uh,
0: so uh, Tracy, please, uh, you know, go go invite yes. Charles uh, back yeah. on the show. We'll, you know, I yes. love this topic. This is fascinating. It's definitely yeah. it's life. Life is the Bible, by the way, people.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is,
0: this is very good. Uh, Charles, you got a, you got about. Two minutes, close out. You know, talk about yourself. Talk about how people can follow you and your work. Go on.
2: Okay. Thank you, James. So, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I am a health coach, but I'm also a nutritional therapist. So what I believe is I believe that God put all of the plants and fruits and vegetables here, and they have a certain purpose, not just for us to eat, but they actually have a purpose for our bodies. Because every single part of you resonates with God's creation. So uh, you can follow me on YouTube at Health Formation. I'm on Instagram, Health Formation on there as well. Or you can just come to the website, healthformation.com. And then there's a lot of free tools and resources for organizations, for individuals as well. Like I said, inside and outside of the body of Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, and if you ever need help, you can always reach out to me. Email me at supportedhealthformation.com. And me and my team will get back with you.
0: Tracy go ahead 30 seconds close out with any beautiful thing you'd like to say.
3: Well, one thing that I wish you would have got to cuz I really did want to know the red pill on the on the pyramid. so yes you will do that next time I head we will start from that. the
0: pyramid in the yeah. next
3: Yeah. And then I want to know the red pill on that formula because so many women switch from birth, you know, breastfeeding their baby over to this formula, which is no good. So, yeah, um, that's all I got to say. I can't wait to get you back on. And um, yeah, we'll go from there.
0: Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Tracy. Great seeing you both. Everyone have a great night. God bless everybody.
3: God God bless. Bye.